It's January 23rd, 2020, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine, podcast editor, along with our senior market supporter, Brad Count. This show is a news rundown to help you save time while staying informed and shouldn't be confused with investment advice. Now, for the next few episodes, we'll also be highlighting select interviews from the Coindesk crew reporting from inside the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. After the news rundown today, we'll hear from former CFTC chairman Christopher Giancarlo on his proposed digital dollar push, and we'll end the show by taking a walk with a modern cypherpunk and senior reporter Lee Quinn. And now, the news. Bitcoin finally breaking out of a range where it's held over the past week, but it's bad news for the bulls. The price down 3.8% on Thursday to $8,300 after trading for almost a week in a range between $8,500 and $8,800. Coindesk's Omkar Godbole reports that bearish signs are appearing in short-term price charts, suggesting that the next move could be towards the psychological level of $8,000, although he writes that longer term, the charts still look bullish. Even with this latest pullback, Bitcoin is still up 16% year-to-date, following on that impressive 94% gain we saw in 2019. It's not exactly the trial of the century, but for the crypto industry, the ongoing battle between the messaging app Telegram and the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is becoming a gripping courtroom drama. During an 18-hour deposition, Telegram CEO Pavel Durov pushed back against the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission attorney's speculation that his company's 2018 token sale was meant to refill its cash reserves and pay for new servers. According to a transcript of the early January deposition, Durov had been funding Telegram with proceeds from the sale of an earlier entrepreneurial endeavor, the Russian social network VK.com. Durov claimed that he sold the Gram tokens to investors as a way to ensure that there would be sufficient support to secure the proof-of-stake ton blockchain. Asked why Telegram didn't opt for equity fundraising, he said, quote, We were concerned that selling equity could affect the company's integrity and its values and change the company's ethos and what it stands for, end quote. In a separate case, tying together two different crypto industry scandals, former users of the now-defunct Canadian Quadriga CX exchange are seeking to determine if some lost funds might be held by payment processor Crypto Capital, whose operators were recently indicted. The new lead ties together two of the crypto industry's biggest stories from 2019. Victims of the Quadriga CX collapse say the circumstances of their missing funds are so mysterious that they want to exhume the body of its purportedly dead CEO, Gerald Cotton. Crypto Capital, for its part, was led by Reginald Fowler, a former co-owner of the National Football League's Minnesota Vikings, who at one point said he banked upwards of $371 million in 50-odd bank accounts, according to an FBI audit. Gemini, the cryptocurrency exchange led by twins Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss, said it has received an important new stamp of approval from the global accounting firm Deloitte. Cointelegraph reports that Gemini has attained the accounting firm's SOC Type 2 evaluation, representing the highest level security compliance that an organization can demonstrate. Gemini is one of several U.S.-based crypto companies that have embraced regulation and certifications as a way to build up trust as the industry works to woo bigger allocations from institutional money managers like investment funds, family wealth offices, foundations, and pension trusts. As the 2020 election season heats up in the U.S., blockchain is percolating as both a solution for voting systems and a touted credential for some local candidates. In Virginia, one lawmaker is pushing the state government to study how blockchain might be used to secure elections, while also pushing the Virginia Economic Development Partnership to research blockchain's future role in the state's economy. 
And in Nevada, a former beauty queen turned Bitcoin-friendly entrepreneur is running as a Republican for a U.S. congressional seat. Coindesk's Brady Dale reports that Lisa Song Sutton, a former Miss Nevada, has invested in Bitcoin ATMs and also started a company that sells alcohol-infused cupcakes, accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment. She told Dale that if she makes it to Washington and gets an audience with President Donald Trump, she could make the case that blockchain technologies might define the future of business. Regulators in the U.S. have refused to approve several proposals for new exchange-traded funds tracking Bitcoin. But in Switzerland, the market is burgeoning. Amun, a Swiss digital asset issuer that already has started 10 cryptocurrency-based exchange-traded products on the Swiss stock exchange, has launched a new vehicle for traders who want to bet on a drop in Bitcoin's price. The 21 shares short Bitcoin ETP will provide inverse exposure to Bitcoin's price, Coindesk reports. If Bitcoin's price climbs, traders lose. If it falls, they win. Just like exchange-traded funds in the U.S. that allow investors to bet against U.S. stocks or oil prices with the ease of trading a stock, the new Swiss product allows traders to short Bitcoin via the stock market without having to go through the complicated process of opening a futures or options trading account. In more news out of Switzerland, the World Economic Forum in Davos is now providing training tools for central bankers who want to launch their own digital currencies. The organization on Wednesday released what it calls a toolkit that will help countries decide whether to launch digital versions of their national currencies. Just the publication itself might be a sign of how attitudes towards cryptocurrencies and digital assets have changed following last year's proposal by Facebook to create its own digital payment token, Libra. According to the new document, there are some 60 central bank digital currency experiments planned or underway, including the high-profile effort by China to launch a digital version of its yuan, which economists say is an attempt to weaken the U.S. dollar's domination as the world's de facto reserve currency. And out of Japan, an example of just how acrimonious things can get for employees working at a crypto startup. Cointelegraph reports that two men have been arrested in Tokyo on suspicion of defrauding the blockchain project Vipstar out of hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of Bitcoin. The two men are accused of stealing the equivalent of 78 million yen, or roughly $712,000. According to the report, one of the suspects is a former employee who used his access to steal money from a trading fund, and he reportedly told police that he had such extreme disagreements with senior management that he felt compelled to try and ruin the company. Rounding out today's international news, Greece's Council of State determined that 39-year-old Russian national Alexander Vinik may be extradited to France to face charges. GreekReporter.com said Thursday that Vinik, who was arrested in northern Greece in July of 2017, is currently sought by authorities in the United States, France, and Russia. Each had issued international arrest warrants for him over an e-currency platform he set up and is charged with using for money laundering purposes. And that's the news. Now, we fly to Davos, Switzerland, where we join former CFTC chairman Christopher Giancarlo and Coindesk's Michael Casey during their conversation already in progress. A digital dollar would be an alternative, a third form alongside cash, but it would be a direct transaction and it would be honored by the federal, the federal government. We propose this. We believe that the dollar's usage in the global economy is underserved by serving as a continual analog instrument in a digital world. And we, with Accenture, and, and, and we're going to bring together 
a thought panel of some leading experts in constitutional law, in central banking, in, in, in technology, in blockchain and other technologies, in, in anti-money laundering and other fields to think through how do we create a digital dollar that serves well into this coming digital century. Let's envision a world where you have, and this is hypothetical, where you have a Chinese central bank currency, you have a commercial transparency like a Libra, mm -hmm. and you have a U.S. dollar um, uh, currency. Right. A central bank way, U.S. dollar? A, a Bitcoin over here. Uh, like oh, and let's say Bitcoin over here, yeah. right? In, in, in those three worlds, mm -hmm. um, one of them, one government is going to want to know every transaction, especially transactions to political opponents, to uh, freedom movements. In another world, one of those operators is going to want to know every commercial transaction to know whether you're shopping with Target or whether you're shopping with Nordstrom. And one of those providers is going to be constitutionally restricted from collecting either of that information. And that one is going to be the U.S. government. Because the Fourth and Fifth Amendments to the Constitution prevent the U.S. government from taking information without a subpoena and without due process and without just compensation. Now, the jurisprudence around that will need to be developed, but we think in a digital dollar, people could see a digital dollar as your information being more secure, not less, than the, that um, a, a central bank currency offered by other governments or by commercial vendors. And now we hit the chilly streets of Davos with Coindesk's Lee Quen and Harry Halpin for the cypherpunk perspective on the World Economic Forum, privacy, and the future of blockchain. Hi, I'm Lee Quinn, Coindesk reporter, and I'm here with Harry Halpin, co-founder of NEM Technologies, a privacy tech company based in Switzerland. And here we are in beautiful Davos. Thanks so much for joining us. No, I'm happy. Well, I'm not really happy to be here, but I'm happy to see you. So, could yeah. be worse. Can you tell me more about that? What the hell is a cypherpunk doing in Davos right now? Yeah, I mean, we came here because we were invited to some speaking events, so we had to give the talks. But, I mean, in general, I'm not really that impressed by the World Economic Forum. And I do think there's lots of, of well-meaning people here that want to save the world with charity or deal with unemployment. Mm. But the fact of the matter is, the people here aren't actually in charge in any meaningful sense. It's just kind of a, a social club. Uh, the larger economic trends, you know, negative inflation, uh, general sort of collapse of the American empire, global climate change. These things are, are very nightmarish and have been started, you know, centuries ago mm. and are out out of the hands i think of the of the davos elite so definitely there are things that have been a long time in process but we do have some projects here that are just getting started and mm -hmm. uh, could have some big impacts first off we have a huge facebook team here with libra and then we also have some people for example from uh, the chinese blockchain coalition that are working with the people's bank of china let's start with libra yeah. um, what do you think about that in terms of privacy in the future well obviously i mean the way libra is set up right now is essentially all of the due to KYC AML mm -hmm. regulations. They're essentially trying to create a fairly powerful, if not even perhaps dangerous, identity system in the Calibra mm -hmm. wallet. Mm -hmm. And to that extent, it's actually worse than cash and yeah. much worse than Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency yeah. where you have kind of you know this magical one key pseudonymous key system. Uh, and then in terms of, you know, the state chains, 
So there's a kind of love-hate relationship between the Bitcoin community and the adoption of blockchain technology by yeah. nation states. But you know, I mean, let's be very honest. They're going to create a kind of surveillance nightmare. It doesn't matter if it's China or even something like the Tunisian e-dinar mm. or whatever that everyone's discussing. Uh, all of these systems have incredibly uh, terrifying privacy ramifications. And I, I don't think that's entirely unintentional. We're facing a situation of a lack of control in the future as, you know, protests and riots and general hatred by, uh, of, of governments and most of the people here is rising <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. across the world that, you know, actually being able to control, uh, surveil, and then block people's financial flows is going to be really one of the key leverage points the, the current sort of global elite will use to con contain these movements. While you can't on some level mm -hmm. um, blame people for being mm -hmm. really worried about the state of the world, it's obviously going to take more than like a trip to a ski resort to create the sort of fundamental revolutionary change uh, which is needed. Okay, I hear you, I hear you. On the other hand though, I mean, wasn't one of your funders the European uh, Commission? And also, uh, for NEM uh, Technologies in particular, you guys are working on privacy solutions on the network level, right? Do you think that those kinds of solutions could eventually be applied to some of these bigger networks? We come from a, a European Commission attempt called Panoramics, a research project, yes. whose, whose goal was essentially prevent NSA surveillance of governments, like mm -hmm. you know the German government with Angela Merkel and the rest yeah. of the commission. And that is what kind of gave birth to our MixNet technology, which can prevent surveillance on any uh, any level yeah. with any blockchain. For any app, you don't even really uh, need a blockchain cryptocurrency use case. Mm. Every kind of government agency um, would probably not want uh, to have privacy on network level because that gives that takes away their power. So you yep. saw what happened with the FBI and Apple recently. Yes. But the FBI prevented Apple from pushing uh, encrypted uh, backups. People really will need to fight for privacy. I hope cypherpunks and the Bitcoin movement yeah. will be kind of at the forefront of this. And there's going to be a lot of really angry unemployed people in the future. You know, artificial intelligence will reduce the majority of the world to a surplus population you know, without a job. That's so uh, bleak. Yeah, it's pretty, it's very bleak. But then at the same time, it's clear that this, the economic system here, mm -hmm. represented Davos, is ending. Something new uh, will have to rise that will be a, probably a complete break. And that's what we're kind of putting our bets on. Harry, can you leave me with something um, constructive or positive that I can do? So as consumers and as voters, what is it that I can be pushing for in order to try and preserve or um, initiate privacy in these kinds of new uh, blockchain state worlds that they want to build? I would you know, support popular social movements, mm -hmm. vote for candidates that support privacy, use this technology, show your friends how to use it, mm -hmm. and increase the education around this technology. Because without privacy, we really are not going to have the chance that our generation and younger generations to change the world. If we're under constant surveillance, it's gonna be really hard. If we have genuine privacy, it will be possible. And I think, you know, even if it's only a one in a thousand bet, a sort of Pascal wager sort of bet, yeah. I think it's possible and we should take that bet. Vote it's with your dollar and vote with your vote too. Is yeah, what you're vote and, and vote with your Bitcoin or <laughs> whatever your cryptocurrency of choice is. That's our show today. Join us again on Friday for another episode of Markets Daily. To make sure you never miss an episode, you can subscribe to Markets Daily on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and just about any other place you'd like to listen.
If you're enjoying the show, we really appreciate you leaving a review, and we always enjoy reading them as they come in. If you have a favorite news outlet you think should be included in our daily roundup, send us an email at podcast at coindesk.com. Thanks for listening.